Chapter thirty two of Pushing to the Front by Horizon Sweat Marden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Luke Sartor. Chapter thirty two Raising of Values. Destiny is not about thee, but within. Thyself must make thyself. The world is no longer clay but rather iron in the hands of its workers, says Emerson, and men have got to hammer out a place for themselves by steady and rugged blows. To make the most of your stuff, be it cloth, iron, or character, this is success. Raising common stuff to priceless value is great success. The man who first takes the rough bar of wrought iron may be a blacksmith who has only partly learned his trade and has no ambition to rise above his anvil he thinks that the best possible thing he can do with his bar is to make it into horseshoes and congratulates himself upon his success he reasons that the rough lump of iron is worth only two or three cents a pound and that it is not worth while to spend much time or labor on it his enormous muscles and small skill have raised the value of the iron from one dollar, perhaps, to ten dollars. Along comes a cutler with a little better education, a little more ambition, a little finer perception, and says to the blacksmith, Is this all you can see in that iron? Give me a bar and I will show you what brains and skill and hard work can make of it. He sees a little further into the rough bar. He has studied many processes of hardening and tempering. He has tools, grinding and polishing wheels, and annealing furnaces. The iron is fused, carbonized into steel, drawn out, forged, tempered, heated white-hot, plunged into cold water or oil, to improve its temper, and ground and polished with great care and patience. When this work is done, he shows the astonished blacksmith two thousand dollars worth of knife blades, where the latter only saw ten dollars worth of crude horseshoes. The value has been greatly raised by the refining process. Knife blades are all very well, if you can make nothing better says another artisan, to whom the cutler has shown the triumph of his art. But you haven't half brought out what is in that bar of iron. I see a higher and better use. I have made a study of iron, and know what there is in it, and what can be made of it. This artisan has a more delicate touch, a finer perception, a better training, a higher ideal, and superior determination, which enable him to look still further into the molecules of the rough bar, past the horseshoes, past the knife blades, and he turns the crude iron into the finest cambric needles, with eyes cut with microscopic exactness. The production of the invisible points requires a more delicate process, a finer grade of skill, then the cutler possesses. This feat the last workman considers marvellous 
and he thinks he has exhausted the possibilities of the iron. He has multiplied many times the value of the cutler's product. But behold, another very skilful mechanic, with a more finely organized mind, a more delicate touch, more patience, more industry, a higher order of skill, and a better training, passes with ease by the horseshoes, the knife blades, and the needles, and returns the product of his bar in fine mainsprings for watches. Where the others saw horseshoes, knife blades, or needles, worth only a few thousand dollars, his penetrating eye saw a product worth one hundred thousand dollars. A higher artist, artisan, appears, who tells us that the rough bar has not even yet found its highest expression, that he possesses the magic that can perform a still greater miracle in iron. To him even mainsprings seem coarse and clumsy. He knows that the crude iron can be manipulated and coaxed into an elasticity that cannot even be imagined by one less trained in metallurgy. He knows that, if care enough be used in tempering the steel, it will not be stiff, trenchant, and merely a passive metal, but so full of its new qualities that it almost seems instinct with life, with penetrating, almost clairvoyant vision. This artist-artisan sees how every process of mainspring making can be carried further, and how at every stage of manufacture more perfection can be reached, how the texture of the metal can be so much refined that even a fiber, a slender thread of it, can do marvelous work. He puts his bar through many processes of refinement and fine tempering, and, in triumph, turns his product into almost invisible coils of delicate hair springs. After infinite toil and pain, he has made his dream true. He has raised the few dollars worth of iron to a value of one million dollars, perhaps forty times the value of the same weight of gold. Still another workman, whose processes are so almost infinitely delicate, whose product is so little known by even the average educated man that his trade is unmentioned by the makers of dictionaries and encyclopedias, takes but a fragment of one of the bars of steel and develops its higher possibilities with such marvelous accuracy, such ethereal fineness of touch, that even mainsprings and hairsprings are looked back upon as coarse, crude, and cheap. When his work is done, he shows you a few of the minutely barbed instruments used by dentists to draw out the finest branches of the dental nerves. While a pound of gold, roughly speaking, is worth about $250, a pound of these slender, barbed filaments of steel, if a pound could be collected, might be worth hundreds of times as much. Other experts may still further refine the product, but it will be many a day 
before the best will exhaust the possibilities of a metal that can be subdivided until its particles will float in the air. It sounds magical, but the magic is only that wrought by the application of the homeliest virtues, by the training of the eye, the hand, the perception, by painstaking care, by hard work, and by determination and grit. If a metal, possessing only a few coarse material qualities, is capable of such marvellous increase in value, by mixing brains with its molecules, who shall set bounds to the possibilities of the development of a human being, that wonderful compound of physical, mental, moral, and spiritual forces? Whereas in the development of iron, a dozen processes are possible, a thousand influences may be brought to bear upon mind and character. While the iron is an inert mass, acted upon by external influences only, the human being is a bundle of forces, acting and counteracting, yet all capable of control and direction by the higher self, the real, dominating personality. The difference in human attainment is due only slightly to the original material. It is the ideal followed and unfolded, the effort made, the processes of education and experience undergone that fuse, hammer, and mold our life bar into its ultimate development. Life, everyday life, has counterparts of all the tortures the iron undergoes, and through them it comes to its highest expression. The blows of opposition, the struggles amid want and woe, the fiery trials of disaster and bereavement, the crushings of iron circumstances, the raspings of care and anxiety, the grinding of constant difficulties, the rebuffs that chill enthusiasm, the weariness of years of dry, dreary drudgery in education and discipline, all these are necessary to the man who would reach the highest success. The iron by this manipulation is strengthened, refined, made more elastic or more resistant, and adapted to the use each artisan dreams of. If every blow should fracture it, if every furnace should burn the life out of it, if every roller should pulverize it, of what use would it be? It has that virtue, those qualities that withstand all, that draw profit from every test, and come out triumphant in the end. In the iron, the qualities are, in the main, inherent. But in ourselves, they are largely matters of growth, culture, and development, and all are subject to the dominating will. Just as each artisan sees in the crude iron some finished, refined product, so must we see in our lives glorious possibilities, if we would but realize them. If we see only horseshoes or knife blades, all our efforts and struggles will never produce hairsprings. We must realize our own adaptability to great ends. We must resolve to struggle, to endure trials and tests, 
to pay the necessary price, confident that the result will pay us for our suffering, our trials, and our efforts. Those who shrink from the forging, the rolling, and the drawing out are the ones who fail, the nobodies, the faulty characters, the criminals. Just as a bar of iron, if exposed to the elements, will oxidize and become worthless, so will character deteriorate if there is no constant effort to improve its form, to increase its ductility, to temper it, or to better it in some way. It is easy to remain a common bar of iron, or, comparatively so, by becoming merely a horseshoe. But it is hard to raise your life product to higher values. Many of us consider our natural gift bars poor, mean, and inadequate, compared with those of others. But if we are willing, by patience, toil, study, and struggle, to hammer, draw out, and refine, to work on and up from clumsy horseshoes to delicate hairsprings, we can, by infinite patience and persistence, raise the value of the raw material to almost fabulous heights. It was thus that Columbus, the weaver, Franklin, the journeyman printer, Aesop, the slave, Homer, the beggar, Demosthenes, the cutler's son, Ben Jonson, the bricklayer, Cervantes, the common soldier, and Hayden, the poor wheelwright's son, developed their powers until they towered head and shoulders above other men. There is very little difference between the material given to a hundred average boys and girls at birth, yet one with no better means of improvement than the others, perhaps with infinitely poorer means, will raise his material in value a hundredfold, five hundredfold, ay, a thousandfold, while the ninety-nine will wonder why their material remains so coarse and crude, and will attribute their failure to hard luck. While one boy is regretting his want of opportunities, his lack of means to get a college education, and remains in ignorance, another, with half his chances, picks up a good education in the odds and ends of time which other boys throw away. From the same material, one man builds a palace and another a hovel. From the same rough piece of marble, one man calls out an angel of beauty which delights every beholder, another a hideous monster which demoralizes everyone who sees it. The extent to which you can raise the value of your life bar depends very largely upon yourself. Whether you go upward to the mainspring or hairspring stage depends very largely upon your ideal, your determination to be the higher thing, upon your having the grit to be hammered, to be drawn out, to be thrust from the fire into cold water or oil in order to get the proper temper. Of course, 
it is hard and painful, and it takes lots of stamina to undergo the processes that produce the finest product. But would you prefer to remain a rough bar of iron or a horseshoe all your life? End of chapter 32 Raising of Values Recording by Luke Sartor Brisbane, Queensland